Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. Welcome back, everybody, to the Single Two Sealed podcast, and we hope that you are off to an amazing day or had an amazing day, I guess, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, we're so appreciative that you've joined us for another episode, and we have a fantastic guest here with us today. So everyone, welcome Mark Ogletree. He is joining us to talk to us about dating with a purpose. And to just give you a little bit of a background about Mark Ogletree, we're going to read a short short bio about him. So Mark was raised in Texas and joined the church at the age of 18. He served an LDS mission from 1982 to 1984 in Seattle, Washington. He earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in 1987 from Brigham Young University, a Master of Arts in Educational Psychology from Northern Arizona University in 1990, Master of Arts in Mental Health and Counseling in 1994 from Northern Arizona University, and a PhD in Family and Human Development from Utah State University in May 2000. Mark has taught at Brigham Young University in the Church History and Doctrine Department since 2010. He has published several books and articles on marriage and family relationships. He is presently the stake president of the Provo, Utah Edgement North Stake. He is married to the former Janie Cook, and they have eight children and 18 grandchildren. That's a super awesome bio, Mark, and we're super glad to have you on the show. So awesome to be with you guys. So it's always interesting to to hear your own biography and realize that all I've ever done has been in school. I think that kept me out of trouble. <laughs> At least I hope it did. Yeah, I mean, that's usually what a nerd does. <laughs> exactly. Gary says to a fellow nerd. <laughs> and, I, and I'm looking more nerdy every year. You can ask my kids. So that's perfect. Yeah. A nerd is the way, guys. There's no such thing as a, a nerdy nerd. There's a cool nerd and there's an athletic nerd. <laughs> yeah. A little bit nerd, nerd in all of us, right? Exactly. That's so sure. I didn't realize that you were a convert to the church as a young adult until I read your bio when you sent it over a few minutes ago. How, yeah. What was your convert story like? Would you be willing to share a little bit of that, that with us? Sure. So grew, grew up in Texas. And uh, about the time I uh, uh, was entering high school... Uh, I just met some really, uh, really awesome guys, a couple of them that uh, just happened to be real active, faithful members. And uh, we were on the same high school baseball team together and spent a lot of time together. And just being in their homes, you know, I, I knew that that was the kind of home life and kind of family that I hoped to have one day. Didn't didn't quite have that that type of family at the time, but just always wanted that. And so that was something that, uh, anyway, that really drew me into the into uh, my interest in the church and so it's probably a really long story and we can take a whole podcast on it but but uh, <laughs> yeah, ended up joining true. the church uh that was about my sophomore year in high school and and uh, my parents were not real excited about the church and so I had to wait until I graduated from high school and then I had the chance to go out to West Texas that summer to work in the oil fields. And that was also a great opportunity to kind of learn about the church out there. They just had opened a brand new Mm -hmm. LDS church the week that I had arrived. And I say brand new LDS church, a new building anyway. And uh, anyway, got to meet with the missionaries and 
took about a month and joined the church and found out later that right after I had left, they had taken those missionaries out. So it was just a nice little window there for me. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Well, we're glad, we're glad that happened to you and we're glad you're here today. Okay. We're so glad that you joined the church and that you're here today and that you have that great story and, you know, conversion stories are very powerful. So, you know, we know the the Lord wanted you on his side, obviously early on. <laughs> it's been, it's been a great ride. That's for sure. Just, it's been wonderful. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your own, your own love life and how you came, to, love story. came to meet your wife? I came home from the mission field in May and, uh, you know, really had planned that I would, you know, living in Texas, that I would, you know, just work that summer and go up to BYU and hopefully meet someone. But uh, my wife was just had finished high school and she was on her way to BYU herself. So we came up to BYU together and thought once we got to BYU, we would just date other people. I'm sure you guys have heard that story. And mm-hmm. anyway, ended up... Uh, we both tried that for about a week and it didn't work too well. So we uh, came back together and, and really have been together ever since. So the first time that I thought, okay, okay, I really, this is impressive to me, but our family had typical Texas here, but our family had a, a little ranch about 50 miles north of Houston. And uh, I had been made like a some young single adult representative or whatever that summer that I was home before I went up to school. And, and so we uh, took a, a lot of young single adults up to our property with the purpose to, you know, play softball, have a barbecue and just kind of have some fun. But my dad asked me if I would take care of all the animals while I was up there. Cause he hadn't had a chance to get up there that week. And most people, it was a pretty wealthy stake. And a lot of uh, the people, girls and guys stayed really close to the fence. And I learned later it was because there was so much cow manure and, and things like that around. But as I was feeding these animals, I noticed that someone had come up close to me and I turned around and it was my wife. Well, it was Janie. We hadn't obviously dated or anything yet, but she said, do you need any help? And I said, yeah. And she helped me feed all those animals. And that's, that's kind of cool because she actually hates animals, right? I, you know, I found out later that she <laughs> would never want to touch an animal, but she, that day she was feeding bulls and cows and horses and turkeys and all kinds of stuff. So that was kind of story number one where I thought, okay, this is cool. She's hard. She's a hard worker. And then we hiked the Y when we arrived at BYU in August. Everyone has to do that, right? It's like a rite of passage or something. And so I thought, hey, let's hike the Y. And uh, it was August. It was super, it was a super hot day. Had no water or anything. I just said, okay, let's just go do this. We got to the bottom of the mountain, and as we're looking up to the top, I said, okay, I think what you do is you just walk straight up this mountain. And she said, no, I'm pretty sure there's a trail. And I said, no, I don't think there's a trail. I think you just walk straight up. Anyway, so <laughs> I know that joking? she – Yeah, I know. It was, this was like bear, a scene from Bear Grylls or something, right? And so <laughs> if anyone has a drone and can look at that, at that terrain from the bottom of the Y up to the, just a straight shot, it, w- it was actually pretty rough. You know, and uh, there were some places where we slid down and and uh, walking through some brush. And it was, you know, once again, no water or anything. And it was like a hundred degree day that day. And uh, we got to the top. And of course, there was old men in jumpsuits eating ice cream cones and little kids eating Otter Pops and their mom's stroller. And I'm like, how did you guys get up here? And they're like, oh, you just you just take the trail. And she just kind of looked at me <laughs> like, OK, look, I, you know, she didn't say a word, but she gave me that look like, you know, I 
you're 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 an idiot, right? That kind of look. And, <laughs> but I remember looking at her, and here we both were bloody, uh, had been quite scraped up, had taken a couple falls, and co- covered in sweat. And I just looked at her, and I thought, you know what? I I like her. This, she's cool. She's tough. But I know if you interviewed her and asked her the same question, she would probably say that was the day that she decided that uh, this guy's crazy, right? And so that and that was the night that she had the talk with me and said, "I think I need to date other people." So, but uh, anyway, a week later we were back together, and that was that was the rest is history. So, well, we're glad your history has been written and continues to be written. So, yeah. <laughs> it's it will continue to be written. I've taken her on a lot of adventures, that's for sure. Yeah, I. I lived in uh, Provo for almost four years myself, and to this day, I still can't find the entrance to the Y. I feel like like, like, there's like all those houses and winding roads, and there's just like this little back road, and you're like, wait, how do I get here? Yeah, it's almost (laughs) like every time I find it, it's an accident. It's an accident when you find it, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the first part of the trial of the Y, I call it. Well, I'm pretty sure we have... We hiked the Y for the first time together, didn't we? Or had you hiked it before we hiked it Oh, together? no, I definitely hiked it before. Oh, okay. Well, we went, our third date or something was hiking the Y, third or fourth, I think. Yeah, it was. It I was think weird. everyone's got to do it. I think it's going to be one of the Temple Red recommend questions one day for, yeah. for BYU <laughs> students or something. Except we didn't do quite off the, like, you know, the off-road terrain that you guys did. So You didn't do the Bear, bear grill yeah. style? <laughs> no. So that, no, we saw the other people walking up the trail and said maybe that's the way. <laughs> like normal people right like like humans i love that thanks for sharing a little bit about yourself and we're excited to get to our topic and we hope that people who are listening to this are just as excited as we are to learn more about our purpose for dating and what you have to bring so guys we know that there are several people out there that are listening to this podcast we have almost eight thousand listens on this podcast now and i want to tell you we have 30 reviews on apple which is pretty low. So I want you guys to pause this, go right now and give us that, give us that five-star review that you know you want to give, but you're procrastinating on just like your homework. <laughs> okay. Because we're, we're taking the time to do this podcast. Take the time to show us some love. It takes like 30 seconds. I believe in you. <laughs> That's right. And when you do that, you'll be inspired even further by what Mark is going to say tonight. Yep. I Pressure's on. The words of my companion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. So, Bring us your topic. What are we talking about? So I thought it'd be kind of kind of cool to talk about uh, dating with a purpose uh, tonight. Um, I like that. I like the idea because I've watched. You know, we have eight children, and I've watched them go through this process of, you know, finding someone to marry. Uh, we have uh, one daughter who will be getting married uh, this summer, and then our last daughter is actually doing the MTC you know, at home experience right now. And, and I'm sure when she gets home, we'll, we'll be back to visiting this topic with her. But um, I think one of the things that uh, is a challenge for us is that as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and, and, and Christians in general, if you want to say, say it that way, I think that our, you know, the, our views of marriage and how we would go into a marriage would be very different than those who aren't real religious. You know, we view marriage as something that uh, is supposed to last for a long time. In our view, it's for eternity. And yet when it comes to dating, we tend to trend after the world a little bit and and some of the worldly patterns of dating to some degree. And I think that's where we get a little bit off track. We should uh, definitely be approaching it with with some kind of purpose and intent 
uh, hopefully to lead this lead to a deeper relationship. And once again, I know that we have to be careful as we say that because, you know, there are people that you want to go on dates with just to learn about and learn about personality and, and learn about different uh, different lifestyles and things like that, different ways of of living, so to speak, and different ways of experiencing life. But at some point, we have to get to that uh, that spot where we're really trying to to find someone to marry and to be with for the rest of our life. Yeah, I think it's really important that when we're dating, we always date with that purpose in mind of marriage. And despite the fact that we're dating to get to know people and to get to know what we're looking for, uh, that we always have that in mind that that's the ultimate goal is marriage and marriage in the temple. I like that you talk about worldly dating because a lot of this podcast is trying to restore dating. Um, just like a lot of you guys have listened to our podcast with Brad Wilcox and what, what all that was about. And it's important, important for us to realize that uh, there isn't a script in the scriptures either that tell you like how to date. It's not like there's a spiritual dating either. Like there's worldly dating, spiritual dating. Like we have come up with this model like as a cultural norm of how we should date and found that this is the best way to go about achieving good emotional connections that can lead to strong relationships throughout, throughout our life. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, as you were, as you were talking, Jerry, one of the things I was thinking of is just some research I've read where, you know, dating on most college campuses now is just extinct. It just doesn't happen. You know, and that, when compared to BYU students or, or even students at other church-type colleges or religious institutions of higher learning, that there are people at those institutions that will go on more dates in a week than some will go on their entire college career, you know, at, at some of these secular, uh, you know, universities and things like that. So the good news for us is, you know, in our faith anyway, is that at least we still date. I mean, dating's alive and well. The research shows us, I have a research study that, that was just done on, on BYU students. And BYU students are still dating, and that's good. But we know that many are hanging out, and then some aren't dating at all. But, of course, on, on in a more secular approach, it's just a hookup, right? You're just hooking up and and having, a you know, a, usually mm-hmm. a sexual experience with someone, and that's, that's kind of it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have noticed a a trend in especially like Provo and BYU-Idaho that they're doing the non-committal makeout sessions. And that's like the Mormon version of like a one-night stand, which is also (laughs) very unhealthy and totally skipping around how a a healthy and well-formed relationship would progress. I would say also the mind shift of, of our culture and what we're trying to establish uh, is different than what what more worldly perspectives are seeing now um, over time. I, I have this graph that I found that says the average age of marriage in the U.S. It's just from Women's Health magazine. And in the 50s, the average age for marriage was like 20, 20 21 years old. And then yeah, by the year 2000, 20s. it was 24. By 2017, where this graph ends, it's it was 27, and I'm sure it's higher now. Mm-hmm. You know, so that idea that you said of, of you know, just kind of sleeping around, it's because they're not ready to settle down. They're they're prioritizing their schooling and their job and their careers first and living their life and traveling and then finding a companion instead of finding a companion and doing all those things with them. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting, as you say that, one of the studies that I'm referring to that was done with BYU students 
the question was, is, uh, you know, what are the obstacles, you know, what keeps you from, from dating seriously? And the number one answer was, you know, just the fear of making a mistake. But the second, the second answer was, uh, I'm not emotionally mature enough yet to be married, you know? And so I think that plays into it as well. Yeah, you're definitely right. And, uh, talking about the optimal time to begin dating is something we've covered in a couple of different ways on this podcast. So, um, obviously it's, it's important for us to be, to be ready, you know, financially and physically and mentally and emotionally, but that ready, that readiness is different for everybody. Like there's not a specific standard that says you have to be this to start dating. Right. You bet. So from your times, I mean, you're a marriage and family therapist. Now, from the struggles you see that couples have, do you think a lot of the way they dated, you know, affects the type of couple they're going to be or sets the groundwork for that in the long run? Such a great question, Brianna. I think it it has so much to do with it. I'll give you an example of uh, what I'm talking about. I I was talking to some of my, uh, you know, college student children this evening and I said, what's the number one date in Provo? I mean, what is what is it? And uh, one of our daughters said, it's watch a movie and make out, you know. And that's wonderful, you know, I guess. So I guess it depends who you yeah. are. But, but, uh, but wow, if, if that's to prepare someone for married life, okay, how much of our married lives, you know, of course, every married couple would love to have tons of time to watch movies and kiss each other. But that's that's not what happens in a given day. You know, I've thought I've looked at some of the other, you know, as I've talked to my students, some of the dates they talk about riding go-karts and, and once again, going to movies, going to a friend's house and playing games and, and uh, all those things. And once again, I think there's a great place for that. I think that's probably how dating starts, but the problem that I see is that's kind of where it stays, you know? And so we have couples that are engaged in that kind of, you know, just super fun, uh, entertain ourselves to death kind of uh, kind of dating and then they do get married and notice that uh, they haven't really talked about coping skills they haven't talked about resiliency they haven't solved problems together they haven't even worked worked hard together you know and I'm not saying everyone I'm just saying that that happens sometimes you yeah, know definitely. when that happens they just have a lot of there's a lot of underdeveloped skills as they go into a marriage now that they're just not uh they're not ready because they never even talked about any of those things, you know? Yeah. Talking about all that stuff is super important. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a foundation for our ability to get to a successful marriage. And that's very obvious because if, if you're not going to talk about those issues when you're dating, then they're definitely going to come up when you're married. And so right. it's, better, it's better to get rid of all those issues and be honest and be open about everything that you have on the table before you go into marriage and have any surprises. I I agree. I I agree and I think that's such a such a key concept that's I mean we could we could actually use a lot of time during dating and in the courtship phase to really prepare ourselves for adulthood, you know, and once again this is not life on the rock pile. This doesn't mean that we're you know doing just, you know, just having this super serious experience and and not enjoying ourselves. There's so much room for the enjoyment part, but there are things that that we need to start learning about. So I have students that will come to me and they'll talk about being concerned as they recognize they're getting really serious with someone. But then they'll say things like, you know what I'm really worried about though, is we just, there's a lot of things we don't, 
we're not similar on. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And, and often it ends up being things like, you know, hobbies, interest, uh, music, uh, you know, pizza toppings, you know, things like that. And, uh, and what I talk to them about is look, those things are, are, are fun and it's great to have common ground in a lot of those areas, but they actually don't matter a whole lot. You know, and I, I often will tell them about my wife and I, where we probably will never watch a movie together. I mean, we, we try to do that sometimes, but I want to watch dumb and dumber or just something ridiculously stupid, you know, and I've had a long day and, and I just kind of want to laugh at the end of the day. And of course my wife is more into some, something more romantic or, or serious or, or something like that. And so, but does that mean we can't be happily married, you know, and of course we can, we just may not agree on some of these, you know, issues that are kind of a little further out there on the edge of the circle. So here's what I talk to the students about. <clears throat> and by the way, guys, I just share this with you and say that this is just my opinion, you know, and, and take it for what it's worth. Someone else will have another opinion, but I call these the 12 core marriage traits. And the first one is, you know, spirituality and religion. We want to see if we can line up on that. Number two is gender roles. Once again, it doesn't matter how you view those roles. What matters is that there's alignment with, with both husband and wife on that. Family and parenting, number three. Education slash career, number four. Morals, ethics, values. We want to line up on that. Number five, our work, our work ethic, our discipline, our grit, if you want to say that. Number six. Probably politics and current events are real hot button right now, but you want to you want to have some kind of alignment there. Uh, number eight, views on intimacy and how to build relationships. Number nine, health and fitness. Number ten, money finances. Number eleven, how we view in laws and our parents. And then the last one I put is just the idea of serving others, reaching out to others, showing kindness to other people. And I think. If we can line up on a lot of those in a lot of those areas, in fact, we hope there'll be some kind of alignment in almost all of them, then I think there's a great chance for that relationship to build on that that foundation and, and become really strong. And of course, as we get more serious in a relationship, we can structure some of the dating activities around uh, those kinds of things. I think that's super amazing. Like every single point that you just gave was like huge. And so huge that I feel like every single person listening to this podcast should almost have a printout that they put like <laughs> on their desk that says like before I can I can marry somebody or as I'm as I'm learning about somebody like I need to know these topics have talked about these topics and see where I align and yeah. and you said it's important that you align in most of them I would say it's also just important to just agree to just agree on where you stand and and loving and appreciating that person enough to respect that and know that that will or will not be a problem in your relationship. Yeah, Jerry, I think you're exactly right. I don't think we have to align perfectly at all. I think we just want to make sure that we understand each other and that we're good with that. You know, um, I always tell my students the story on health and fitness, number nine of being married for one week, you know, and jogging with my wife through the streets of Provo, always Imagine that we'd have this family of five or six kids behind us, you know, in monogrammed sweatpants, you know, uh, singing songs as we <laughs> jogged through the streets or whatever. And, and we got to a quarter and we stopped and my wife said, hey, guess what? I'm done. And I'm like, done with what? And she said, I'm done with jogging. And I'm like, oh, you mean for today? And she goes, no, forever. I've, 
I'm not doing this anymore. I hate this. And she went off on how much she hated jogging. And I remember being so crushed, you know, thinking, really, we've been married for two weeks. And this was, you know, I thought this was going to be like the big, a big part of our, our life together. And, and, uh, but then I, I also recognized that there were some things that she probably was expecting of me that I wasn't quite up to par on either, you know, and, and I remember coming home that day and thinking, you know what, I love her so much that if she never jogs again, I'm okay with that. But, but, you know, we're going to have those things like that, that we just don't. Okay. So we may feel the same way to some degree, but we're not going to align perfectly on that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think that there's several goals and aspirations we have that are not, fair to necessarily make when they involve someone else's agency. (laughs) Right, right. So if we're going to set unrealistic goals for us in our future, say like, this is what I want to do. You know, don't don't set those goals with somebody else, because that's a realistic example of how, you know, you kind of had your dreams crossed a little bit because you created an unrealistic expectation for somebody who didn't really have that same aspiration. Right, right. There is one thing that that I want to add that that you said already. Yeah. And you were talking about how couples will make a lot of these decisions and you talked about pizza toppings. Yeah. So this is really important. And do you believe that pineapple goes on pizza? I actually do. I'm a ham and pineapple guy. Yes. That, does, that, <laughs> does that get me kicked off the show immediately? Is that no? A- I should have I agree with you and I should have done a trigger a trigger warning here. Yeah. For everyone who just deleted our podcast. <laughs> right, right. No, the best part was when you mentioned that you and your wife's choices in movies was very different because I looked at Jerry and it, we're the exact same. Jerry loves uh, what's Hot Rod and yeah, Natural yeah. Libre and like all that stuff. That's I'm right. on to This Is Us and Grey's Anatomy and all of like the drama and right. romantic well, see, shows. My wife wants the heaviest Brianna. drama you can get. Yeah. Yep. I tell Brianna my life is already filled with drama on the news and 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 sadness. I was like, I need to watch something that's going to take me away. <laughs> she's that's... like, I want to watch more drama and everything that's <laughs> happening already on social media. That's exactly. I'm with you, Jerry. I, you know, between uh, church responsibilities and counseling practice and a, a full day at BYU, I I just want to come home and laugh hysterically. I don't want to watch the news or anything. So I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah, I feel you as a semi-recent graduate of BYU. I I wouldn't want to put up with me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Perfect. Okay, we're going to hand it back to you to share what you wanted to share. Well, so here's the deal. I was, uh, Janie and I got married in April of 1985. In February of 85, uh, I received a phone call from her dad. And her dad was just a great pillar of strength in my life. He died a couple of years ago. We we miss him a lot, but he was just one of those men that had so much practical wisdom. And he called me one day on the phone and, and we had just a great relationship for our, you know, the rest of his life together was, was wonderful. But he said, look, here's, here's the deal. He said, a lot of engaged couples get really, uh, they get, they become so inner focused. They become so focused on themselves. He said, they just don't even understand there's another world going on around them. And he said, yeah, they spend a lot of time on the couch. <laughs> they spend a lot of time, you know, in, in fe- affection that may not even be appropriate sometimes. And they just don't get out of the side of themselves that much. And he said, I really recommend that if you guys want to seriously prepare for marriage, that you start finding ways to do things for other people. 
which I had never even thought of, right? As an engaged person, you're just, you know, so wrapped up in each other. And, and so the more we talked about it, he said, is there someone you can help as a couple? He said, I think you'll learn more about each other if you're doing that than if you're just sitting at home watching movies all day on your couch. And so I thought about it and remembered that there was a, a, a lady from my mission who had just moved to Provo from the Seattle area. She was a single mother and she had twin boys. And, the, and these boys were about, I think they were just over one, you know, maybe, you know, maybe 15 or 16 months old, something along that lines. And I found her phone number somewhere. You know, this was all before the days of social media and, and cell phones and everything, but I was able mm-hmm. to find her number and called her and just said, Hey, you know, my fiance and I were wondering if we could just come over one day this week and, and just watch your boys for you. And you could, you could go do whatever you need to do. And she was just so relieved of that. You know, she was so excited. She said, Oh, she said for free. And I'm like, yeah, totally, totally for free. I knew that. Yeah. We weren't going to do that for money, but anyway. And so we went over there that night and just had a great experience. We babysat these kids and, and I think we liked it so much that we told her when she came home that night, we said, Hey, you know what? What if we just did this every Thursday night for the rest of the semester? And uh, she said, Oh my gosh, that would be incredible. And so we did. And so every, every Thursday night we went over there, we watched those little boys and and then, you know, every time we left, we always had learned something. And, you know, and I always tell people, I think the most important part of any kind of event like this, whatever, whatever the dating experience is, you have to talk about it, right? You have to process it and talk it through. And, and we had these great conversations of, of what our, you know, what we wanted our future family to look like. And anyway, I remember one night and I didn't know this, I, you know, I was the oldest in our family and, and uh, I don't think I ever changed the diaper, but my fiance said, Hey, could you change this kid's diaper? Cause I'm over here feeding this other one. And uh, I said, okay. And I, I had no idea how to do that. So I'm just making this up as I go, <laughs> but this little boy peed all over me. I didn't realize that was kind of a, a thing that happened, a reflex that happened, yeah. a lot, but he peed all over my shirt. And of course, I didn't know what to do. So I thought, well, I'm going to, I got to tell my wife about, well, I'm going to tell Janie about this. Right. And I walked in and said, I can't, this kid just peed all over my shirt. I didn't know what to do. Right. And the moment I walked into the kitchen where she was, the other twin had thrown their entire bowl of SpaghettiOs all over her. And I think we just looked at each other with SpaghettiOs on our shirt and peas, pee on our shirt and kind of just thought, wow, is this what parenthood's going to be like? And, and uh, kind of had a cool moment of, of thinking, wow, what, what are we in for here? But one of the things I noticed about my future wife in that setting is I was so impressed. I couldn't believe how much she knew about kids. You know, she was the oldest of eight and she just knew what to do. I mean, she just came into that house and just knew exactly. What, I didn't have a clue what to do. And so I kind of followed and just did whatever she told me. And but we would go home once again, uh, those drives home talking about our future family and and then I think to to top it all off in our in our life that and I love sharing this with our students. But after we had our first kid, and that was a, a our first child was a daughter, and then we had a son, then we had a then we had another daughter, and then and then we had twin daughters. And so I always like to think that you know what the Lord knew that He knew that we were going to have twins one day, and He was getting us ready. And and when our twins came, they were they were pretty calm and cool compared to those uh, crazy little boys that gave us a run for our money. <laughs> but but that was a great experience, you know, and, and I'll call it a dating experience. But every Thursday night for the rest of that semester, 
watching those boys and then coming home and talking about it and, uh, and just learning from each other and learning, you know, and really kind of starting to, to develop our, our thoughts and our theories on, on how we would raise our children one day was super valuable. I, I like the idea of, of serving together. I think that's super powerful and something that I wish Brianna and I could have done more of because it's so yeah. true. It's so true, especially, you know, we've, we've, we've told people in our podcast who listen that it's, it's a more appropriate time to have more uh, physical connection after you have this relationship that's that's uh, more official. And then especially as you become engaged, you start to feel even more attached to somebody because something feels more serious and close to marriage. And you're just, you know, you're so close to being even more intimate with somebody. And now that's all you can think about. So it's a good way for you to get your mind away from that, especially in our culture of a lot of people who are still virgins and <laughs> right, are, right. They have all their hormones going crazy. You need to do things to distract yourself from from temptation that Satan is surely trying to put in, in your path. Distract yourself while still building that healthy, you know, foundation of a good relationship where you're communicating and you're learning more about each other and you're serving together, which you know is is a good, I guess, foreshadowing of hopefully how your marriage will be of serving each other and your future family. We have several different uh, quotes of you know very famous people, whether it be prophets or the scriptures, or even pretty sure Gandhi, who said, "Wow, like the best way the best way to to lose yourself, right, is to I mean, I mean the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others." And we we know this through several different you know documentation. So it must be a pretty true practice if this is happening through yeah. a bunch of different you know spiritual spiritual um, leaders. And I don't see why that can't be manipulated to say, you know, the best way for a couple to find themselves in their love is to lose themselves in the service of others. In fact, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about the idea that a lot of couples go into a marriage relationship, what I call very one dimensional. Right. And that is that, you know, the the most shared experiences that they've had together are usually, you know, quite often physical or, you know, physical gratification, maybe, or just entertaining themselves, or, or having a lot of fun together, which is all once again, wonderful. But do they know a little bit about each other in some of those other areas that that really matter? So how you guys ready for a quiz? Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and well, this is for all the listeners too, right? And so this is a this is an activity that we do in our class. And I love it. Um, what kind of dating activity would help us assess, you know, the following? So one of them, and by the way, Jerry and Brianna, you don't have to answer these. It's maybe it's it's just thinking about it and, and considering it, or if you wanted to respond, we could. But how about if I do ask you and you respond to the first one, and that is, if you That'd wanted be to try. If we fail. Oh, you guys! It'd be pretty no. embarrassing if we fail and we're the dating podcast. <laughs> no, these. You know what? Every one of these is set up in a way that you're going to just hit it out of the park. I can, I can already tell. But let's say, <laughs> let's say, uh, the trait is spirituality. You know, uh, living a Christ-centered life. You know, religious. You know, religious practices. Whatever. All right. What's a dating activity that would help you kind of get to see a little bit of that in someone else? I mean, Jerry and I, we loved going to the temple together when we were dating and engaged. See, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, we also made sure we did some scripture studies together so we could Almost see how each night. other resonates with the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. 
And I remember with Janie going to firesides and BYU devotionals, and we had a couple religion classes together. And once again, it was always not, it didn't just stop right there. It had to continue in, okay, let's talk about that. What did you learn? What did you think about that? What are your thoughts? And I think when you ask those open-ended questions, you know, you can really learn a lot about another person. So, so here's the other, and you don't have to answer for these, but another one is, okay, how do you assess someone's charity, their love, and their care and concern for other people on a date? So that'd be one to think about. How do you determine someone's emotional maturity and stability? And by the way, I remember one time in one of my classes, someone said, I would take them to one of those, you guys know what these are called, these these escape rooms or something like that, where, where people can't figure out how to get out. You, you know, And I thought, yep. okay, I don't know if that's the best way to measure that, but how about this one? Their ambition, their initiative. How do you, what kind of date would be able to determine that? What about their financial maturity or financial discipline? I had a couple of my children, you know, that have said, you know what a fun date is? You give each other $5 and you go, you go to the store and you have to buy certain things. You can make a meal or whatever as part of a date. And that may be a little tiny window into that, you know, health and fitness, another category, what kind of dates would help you assess that with someone else? Homemaking skills, handyman skills. The one I talked about with you guys, the enjoyment of children. You know, you want to try to have some kind of, you know, uh, assessment of that. In fact, I'll tell you a really funny quick story, a 30-second story. But one of our son-in-laws, who I don't think had been around babies much when, when their first baby was born, he said, you know, all our baby does is eats and sleeps, you know. And our daughter said, well, yeah, that's kind of what they do for the, and I think he thought he was going to be playing t-ball with his little little baby, you know, like the second week or something, but, uh, you know, just didn't know about that yet. Just had to learn that yet. Intellectual capability is another category or just education, edu- you know, intellectual capability, reading, anything like that. But anyway, that I think, you know, when we talk about dating with a purpose, in my mind, okay, let's craft, let's create some incredible dating experiences. And this is probably not the first or second date, but this is when we recognize that, okay, this relationship's pretty cool. I really like where we're going with this. Let's start, you know, adding some of these things to the list instead of just sitting in front of the TV every night and watching watching movies and snuggling. Let's get out there and learn some things about each other because this is how you start to develop, in my mind, a very well-rounded person is to is to and, and by the way, there's a lot of other categories, right? I mean, we could talk about music. You know, we could talk about, uh, once again, philosophy. We could talk about politics. We could talk about just religion in general. But there's a lot of topics out there that uh, really could help a couple start to really learn some important things about each other and start to and start to kind of really develop themselves in a way that uh, where they can really be a blessing to each other later in their lives. I think that's incredible to think of each date as a way to get to know something different about the person that you're dating. I I think that's a great idea. And also, I think it'd be good to add one of those categories as doing something that takes you both out of your comfort zone and to see how you both respond. So maybe something you're both not entirely comfortable with, whether it's, I don't know, going ice skating or (laughs) things like that, because that's a good way to see the person you're dating in another light, in a light where they're maybe not feeling the most confident and how they treat you and how they react to a situation like that as well. Well, I would say it's also important to, I would say it's also important to go on, on dates with people where you are really good at something and they're not because (laughs) like, for example, 
uh, Brianna is really good at skating and ice skating, and I'm terrible. Like, I'm so bad at it, and my ankles always hurt, and I get blisters, and I whine and complain. But she loves it, and she was spinning circles around me and flying around the arena, like, on your right. That you should know? have been yeah. a sign when I took my skating. It should have been yeah. a sign. Yeah, she's she doing Captain America on me, and on your left. <laughs> Every time she's flying by me. And what's important to learn there was my mannerisms during that date. Like, was I having fun with her? Or was I busy, like, complaining about the fact that I couldn't do something that I didn't know how to do? You know, so yeah. like, there's there's so, there's so many purposes that you could do from dating. I don't think you should plan every date with, like, this mastermind, like, idea. But it's good to cover, like, you know, some of these some of these topics, like you said, because it's really starting to define what you mean by by dating with the purpose. Right. And when we have a, when we have a purpose, like it. it it helps us to set goals. Like we have the purpose first, and then we set goals. We learn that from the mission. Like you know, you have your your mission purpose, and then you set goals to achieve that that purpose. Right. And so you know, every every date we go on, you say you can do that. You can say with this with this day, I want to achieve this goal, and then we we set plans to achieve that goal. And so we can say that's going to help us pick what kind of dates we want to do. Is going to help us come up with ideas, because I have to pick a date that's going to help me achieve this goal. What I would add, you know, to what you're saying there, Jerry, is, you know, if you're a guy, I'll put the put the guy on the spot here for a minute, but you're you're asking the girl, you know, what is it that you'd really like to do? What are some of your interests? You know, what are some of the things that you like and enjoy? And and uh, a guy that's really in tune to that will be able to, to craft or create a, an incredible date, you know, that both of them could have some fun with. One of my daughters told me that uh, a guy asked her out once and said, hey, guess what we're going to do today? We're going to run five miles and then go eat breakfast. You know, and my daughter thought, uh, that's like the last thing I'd ever want to do, you know, or <laughs> we're going to go, we're going to go rappelling or hiking. And another daughter saying, well, I don't like heights. That, that wouldn't even be fun for me. You know, I, I would hate that. And so the idea is, okay, let's find out, you know, one of the, I would say one of the number one complaints I hear from my students and my children on dates is that the other person did all the talking, you know, they didn't listen at all. They just talked, talked, talked. And uh, one daughter came home and said, well, I know everything about them, but they don't know a thing about me still, you know? And, and so let's be better listeners and let's, let's talk to people before we go on these dates and let's find out what, what they're interested in. And then, and let's kind of design it around that a little bit. But I think that's, that's another great statement and setting a great, you know, trend uh, and what could be a future deep relationship is, I'm, I'm here to try to meet your needs in some way, you know, so. I love the idea of thinking when you go on the date, you're not there to sell yourself to the other person. Like you're not there to talk about all the great things about yourself and just talk the entire time about yourself because you're not, you're not selling yourself. You're not trying to convince someone to be with you. You're there to seek a connection and to, and to learn about the person that you're with and to yeah. see if they're a good fit for you. So the best thing you should be doing on a date is asking questions and seeking ways that you guys agree and things that you can both connect on and being vulnerable and open. And it's not about talking about all the greatest things about you. So I think <laughs> Brianna, we forget that. Cause so we perfect. Think, well, yeah. And, and mm. nowadays we think that we have to convince everyone that we're the best at everything and we're constantly worried about that. I remember being worried about that when I was dating that, you know, the guy had to think I was the coolest girl in the universe, you know, and right. the most perfect and the most pretty and the most eloquent and all those things instead of just being there and being honest about who I am. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's yeah, great. Always, it's wonderful. People are always talking about, you know, finessing 
<laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and spitting game you know who you have who has game you have game man yeah you know, it's just like the, the game your game is just be, is just being yourself right that's what it, that's what it should right be. yeah that's right <laughs> no, that's authenticity there are people who are, are trying to change the definition mm-hmm. to try to make it something different to downplay other people's dating experiences because they don't appear to come off as smooth as someone else who is in effect priding themselves on on the different ways that they can pick up on women and that's that's not necessarily game to me like game is is the fact that i am able to be myself in front of in front of somebody else and that's right. what's going to be your most effective way you play the game of love because right. someone just wants to see who you really are they don't want to see you know the third pickup line that you've recorded in your notebook yeah no. <laughs> we did an interview last night and one of the things that the woman we interviewed mentioned at the end is she said, everyone's a catch to someone. Right. And if we can remember that everyone is going to be that special person to someone, but only if you're being your authentic self. Um, right. And that's the way the Lord, you know, the Lord has created us to be unique and special and beautiful. And we'll find someone who will appreciate us for us and not for this facade that we put up. Right. And that's not healthy for a relationship either is because the facade is eventually going to fall and then they're going to know the real you, whether you're, <laughs> Honest about it from the start or, you know, a year into marriage, it's going to, they're going to catch on eventually. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. doesn't take long either to, to find that out. So. All right. Thanks, Mark, for what we've shared so far. And I think we're getting to that time where we're getting ready to wrap up. I got to tell sure. you that with all the, with all the stories that you shared, I almost feel like I'm watching Inception. because because we've told so many stories inside the story that i forgot which story we were in (laughs) (laughs) me too we've we've got like nine windows up on the computer screen right now right i'm waiting i'm waiting for you to go back and say and that's how we decided to put pepperoni on the pizza (laughs) (laughs) and that's how we fell off the y that day yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) exactly you forgot about the blood and sweat yeah 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 so thanks again for everything we've said so far and before we wrap up we just want to know if there's any final parting comments that you would like to share <laughs> or thoughts with our other audience here. Yeah, no, I, I, I really appreciate that. I, um, I think this is such a wonderful topic. You know, one of, one of the th- dreams I always have is wouldn't it be great and incredible to just compile stories of how people meet, fall in love and marry, you know, because I think it's such an exciting uh, part of life and, uh, it's, it's something that we value so much as, as, uh, you know, as, as members of the church. And so, uh, I, I want to share this, you know, you said, is there something I can tell, say at the end? And I think that there is no one size fits all, you know, kind of experience, you know, everyone has their own unique experience of how they meet someone and, and fall in love. And we've had some interesting ones like that in our home. Um, I, I asked my students, uh, in fact, we talked about this this week, but I said, guys, how do you meet someone? You know, how do you meet someone and fall in love? And it was just like quiet. I mean, no one, and I said, well, that's probably part of our problem, but let's, let's talk about this a little bit more. But, um, I think of our oldest daughter, Brittany, and she, uh, she married a guy that she was actually dating someone else and it was like his roommate. So there's that network kind of way that we meet people. I think of our son, Brandon. And his was almost a networking thing, but he married a girl, Amanda, uh, who uh, was his roommate's girlfriend, and then they broke up, and so so he moved in on that. So there's that one. The third daughter, I think you're going to really love this story. This daughter um, just dated a lot of people and uh, a lot of guys, and and 
just was seemed to having a really difficult time uh, finding someone that was really a great person, you know. And I said to our daughter Bethany, I said, Bethany, how about if I just pick the person you're supposed to marry? Is that okay? Do you trust me? I'll just I'll just pick this person for you. And so we were driving down University Parkway. This daughter was on a mission in Brazil, but her older sister, our daughter Brittany, had uh, served in the mission field with this guy named Will. And Will was jogging down University Avenue. I pulled up next to him with my wife and a couple kids in the car. And I said, hey, Will, how's it going? He said, great. I had taught him the previous semester. And I said, Will, are you dating anyone right now? And he said, no, not, not really. And I said, you want to marry my daughter? And he said, sure. I go, okay. She gets home <laughs> in a few months. So when she gets home, I'll, uh, I'll text you and tell you, you know, I'll just let you know she's home and, and you guys can date, fall in love and marry. Is that cool? And he said, yeah, that's totally cool. He said, if she'll, if she'll fall in love with me, I'm in, you know? And I said, okay. So a, a few months later, our daughter came home from her mission and I texted Will and said, she's home. And, uh, and they were, I love that story because I love what Will did. He, after the first date, he just said, Hey, look, I'm not here to mess around. I think you're beautiful. I, I love everything about you. Uh, either we, we, we play the game here or we don't, but I, I just want you to know that I really like you. So let's not play games. Let's take, let's, let's get moving. And so that was in September and they were married by December. But anyway, another daughter, one of our twins, Madison, uh, you know, met, met, met the guy, James, that she married playing in a, you know, like a family home evening basketball game. Her twin sister, Mackenzie, met uh, Jared. Uh, they actually didn't like each other at first. So there's that story of, oh, we didn't like each other. We actually broke up and now we're married, you know, and, and uh, our daughter, Callie, great story. Uh, marries a guy from her mission, you know, they, and I know that always sounds suspicious, but uh, he came home and, and, uh, and started writing her cause she still had about six months left and you know, they have a great marriage today. And then our daughter, who's about to be married at this summer, uh, met her husband at, or her future husband at work, you know, so there's, there's the myriad of everything with our, with our kids. And so it's just fun to see the Lord's hand in this. I believe it's, it's there for sure that, that he, he's going to answer our prayers. He's going to lead us by the hand. He's going to show us the way it, it may not be on the timetable that we want or that we expect, but I, I always know that he's there and that, and that he wants, uh, he wants, you know, he wants us to be happy and he's going to help us to do that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. Those stories, those multiple stories <laughs> about you your kids, and I think that that is very important for us to kind of focus and for people to understand that there isn't a set way that love is going to come to you. Like you can, you can make the best plan possible, and it most likely still isn't going to work out that way. <laughs> like they say, we right. plan God last. There's no, like you said, one size fits all, and I think it comes down to us being open to the way that the Lord is going to bring someone into our life and not shutting down options or closing doors when, you know, there's so many different ways we can meet people. So that means when someone invites you to a party, you should try to go. Or when, you know, you meet a cool guy at work, maybe you should get to know him a little bit more. Things like that. You should always be open to meeting new people. Yeah, exactly. We have to have an open mind. And I'll just share one last verse. You know, it's, it's one that you're probably familiar with, but it's be thou humble and the Lord thy God shall lead thee by the hand and give the answers to my to thy prayers. I tell my students, what if we kind of tweak that a little bit and made it fit better for the situation you're in? And be thou open-minded, and the Lord thy God shall lead thee by the hand and give the answers to thy prayers. I, 
I think too many of us uh, rule things out. You know, I, I know we've had children say, oh, I would never go out with them because of this reason or, or that reason. And it's like, wait, don't, don't count anyone out. Right. I mean, be open-minded mm-hmm. and let the Lord lead you and guide you because everyone that I know anyway, at least in our family is married to someone who they probably would have never thought of, you know, but the Lord knows yeah. what we need and he's directing us. He does. I love that. He's, he's always there and he has a, the best plan ever for us. And if we can just trust in that, then I feel like we'll be so much happier in, in the patience that we have to have in seeking the, our future eternal companion. And I also think it's important just to tie back into the purpose that we remember that the purpose of dating is not just to get to the altar. We're not just dating to make sure that they like us enough to marry us. And then we made it. The, the real purpose of dating is to create a lifelong and eternal marriage and relationship that will go beyond, you know, this mortal life. And that involves us doing all those things that you have recommended to us, which is making sure we talk about those 12 relationship traits and really dig deep and really get to know someone and make sure that we have a solid foundation to grow a relationship off of and that it, it involves lots of communication and trust and honesty and also love, but not just love and excitement and fun, but also all the nitty gritty things that are going to help keep our marriage together when things get tough. Yeah. yeah and just, just in closing here, you, bet. you know, I would like, I would like to add that uh, we've talked a lot about the purpose of dating. And I'll tell you that a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, and there's a lot of people that are single and dating, think that they have and understand their purpose in dating when they really don't. Like everybody thinks that I, I, I know I'm, I'm a Christian or, you know, I'm a good member. I'm a good church member. And, you know, of course this is my goal, but the way that they're dating and the way that the, the, the choices that are getting made doesn't reflect that character. And right. so what I'm, what I'm saying is that your real intentions and purpose reflect the way that you date. And so you have to be able to really sit down and say, okay, what, what is it that I really want out of my dating experience? What's really going to bring me joy? What's, what's really going to align my, my will with God's will? And when you find that real legitimate purpose, I feel like your dating experiences and the way you date just fall in line with all the many good advice that we've had on this, on this podcast and, and what we've been saying. Because there's not room for a lot of things that are happening today in the, in the dating community that are going to align with that real purpose. And so I would just invite you guys to evaluate yourself and think about what my real purpose is in dating. You know, even now, as I listen to this podcast, you know, what, what is my objective? Am I really in this to find true connection or am I just in this for, for some kissing sessions? You know, what are, what are we in this for? Because that's really going to motivate you in your, in your, in your journey. So, Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thanks so much, Mark, for coming on. And we're so glad that you took the time to to do so with us. Oh, great to be with you guys. I loved it. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. And if our listeners want to reach out to you or connect with you in some way, how can they find you social media wise or reaching out to you at all? I think probably the best way is my website, which is just my name. It's just markogletree.com. There's a website there and, and they could probably also find me on the BYU faculty directory. Yeah, if you're on campus, just roll up to his office. Say, <laughs> Come on hey, by. I heard you on Sinkful to Sealed, the best podcast on the internet. 
<laughs> that's right. I just wanted to talk more about your 12 steps. Yeah. Yeah. I Thank love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I, this episode was fantastic. So we really appreciate your time and we hope our listeners enjoyed it as well. Tune in next time. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.